0: Welcome to the Iron Woman podcast. I am your co-host, Haley Chura, and I am joined by Alyssa Gadeski, who is about 24 hours off the finish line at Iron Man Lake Placid. We are not doing the the like 30 minutes after the finish line show this week. We've given you 24 hours to recover. But Alyssa, what is what is worse, recording a podcast 30 minutes after an Iron Man finish or like 30 hours after an Iron Man finish?
2: Uh, I think the longer one's actually worse, and I honestly think you'd get more brain power out of me if we like just read through our text conversation that we had in the 30 minutes basically after I finished um, Iron Man Sunday. I feel like I was more coherent in that moment than for like the hour we were texting back and forth about things than I am right now, so listeners, you're going to have to bear with me, but um, I, I did have some coffee before we're recording here, so I'm hoping that I'll like be able to stay alert enough to get through this th- tonight.
0: Well, I'm so happy you're here because I, and we will get you onto your recovery, but I do want to hear about the race. I mean, uh, it was your second Ironman in a month. You race Ironman quarter lane just about four weeks ago, Ironman Lake Placid, you know, like I said, just like 30 hours ago. Uh, it looked like it was a cooler day, but that course, I watched some of the, the coverage. I mean, it, it didn't, it looked like a hard day and, um, you know, I think we saw Lisa Norton take the win. It was her first Ironman. She took a win amazingly fast bike split. Um, but even she looked a little, she was struggling coming up that last hill at the finish and Heather Jackson almost caught her, got second at one point, almost caught her and then looked like she cramped or something and fell back. And then, oh my goodness, I'm third place. The 24 year old from Switzerland. I don't have her name right in front of me, but crazy fast run. Like she was like sub three hour marathon, like 2:57, I think. Um, and I'm assuming that was her first Ironman. If she's only 24, not many opportunities to race an Ironman before that.
2: Joanna Ryder.
0: Joanna Ryder. Thank you. That's her name. But anyway, so tell me about your day, Alyssa. That's what I really want to hear about.
2: Um. So my day wasn't great. Um, <laughs> it was not the day I wanted to have. Uh, but there were, you know – um. I guess there were, I'm going to need some more time to find like the learning experiences that come out of it. But Lake Placid, I will just harp on this for a second, um, is an amazing course. And it's a, it's just, it's a really fun, hard course to race. And there's a reason they've been having that race there for 22 years is because it's like a great venue for an Ironman. And um, it's, it always feels special to race there. The crowd support is great. Um, I do like the, the bike course. I just wish I felt a little bit better out there. Um, and the run course, same thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, Haley, I think that personally, it's like you, uh, hope for the best, right. When you train and you do everything you can to feel prepared so that when you're starting on the, when you're on the start line, you, you feel like you are prepared. And that's definitely how I felt going into the race this weekend. I felt pretty good and prepared, um, but my body just wasn't responding. Um, so it was a little tough. Um, I felt like I had a pretty good swim and then, you know, on the bike things weren't feeling as crisp as I would have liked them to feel. But, um, you know, I, I held out some hope and just kind of kept pushing. And then on the run, I knew like instantly, <laughs> um, that it was going to be a very long marathon ahead of me. And I did, you know, um, have that moment where it's like what am i even doing out here like what what am i doing but i had a lot of thought like i was had you know over four hours and 15 minutes or whatever to think about what i was doing out there and honestly like the crowd support there was huge um it reminded me that the spectators are so cool because they cheered me on as if I was winning the damn race that I was not, I was nowhere close. Um, But like they didn't care if I was running 12 minute pace or seven minute pace. Right. Like they were just so excited to see me. And so I was like grateful for that to keep going. Um, I was grateful for my mom out there at lap one. She was very funny. Um, So my parents had come up to Lake Placid to spectate and it's always nice when your parents can see you race and you know, you want to put together a good day, but and I kind of got around that loop. And by then it was like, oh, I'm just, I'm finishing it. But, you know, I, I pulled to the side to let them know that like, I'm fine. Um, But, you know, sorry, you're going to be out here for a little bit longer than we anticipated. And my mom just like looked at me and she was like, I had run up to them. And she goes, well, she goes, you're doing great. She goes, you're still running. She goes, a lot of these people are just out here walking right now. <laughs> that was like a classic mom. Um, and I was like, you know what, mom, you're right. Like I am actually a good portion of the time still able to pretend I'm running. So I will continue doing that now and get on my way to finish this up. Um, and then I think a third highlight of the the race was when I had pulled off to talk to my boyfriend, Matt and be like, I don't know what's wrong. Like this just feels awful. And, um, I don't really want to keep going. And, uh, an age group athlete, Julia Iglesias, who I had biked with a little bit during the bike as well. She was in the front of the amateur race, um, for a time of the day and for, for a period of time during the day. And so she caught up to me kind of as she saw me like pull off and be like, I hate, you know, everything Iron Man's dumb. What am I doing with my life? And uh, she just was like, she was like, Hey, come on, like, come on. She was like, no, don't stop. And I just like looked at Matt and I looked at her and I was like, I guess I got to keep going. And so Julia and I ran together for like quite a few miles after that um, for like a a very long time, basically since until we came back around. So I would say that was like a probably six miles or so. We ran together and got through it, um, got through that like long out and back where there's not as much crowd support. So that was really good. I got back to Matt and then I was like having another meltdown. Um, but that was when I was deciding to keep going and seeing Julia, you know, in the next part was like another, I was like, this is my friend. This is like, she's going to keep me going. She had started to feel pretty bad too. So we were, you know, just looking for each other. I ended up catching back up to her and, um... We we finished quite close, within just a couple minutes of each other. Ultimately, and got to talk a little bit after the race, and it was you know those kinds of moments and those kinds of like bonds. You know, like I hope I see Julia get out of the race. I hope one day, and like she's 21, I think she's she's and she did amazing, right? And um, so uh, you know I think that it was it was fun to like misery loves company, right? And so it was just cool to meet a total stranger and to share that with her on the day. Um, and I did have some good coaching moments. So, um, I got to witness my athlete, Lauren Palmer, who qualified for Kona there, and she will be returning to the big Island. So it was very special to get to see her, um, instilling fear in me that she was going to run me down. And so I was just like using that as some, some motivation too. Um, and, but you know, I was able to at least Compartmentalize my own misery and celebrate some other successes out there, um, and yeah, so that's kind of the summary of my day, Haley. Um, not the one I wanted to be coming on to talk to you about.
0: Well, Lisa, I'm always impressed by your your even though you say like there's you know you're still working on what you're learning. I am impressed by your your perspective, and I myself have done the you know four plus 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 our marathon before. I think I think my record is a little bit slower than yours, but um and it is it is really hard and I know that in that moment you feel you feel very alone. You feel very alone even though you're around people and I think that, you know, your brain is telling you these certain things and it is kind of nice to have your mom there in her perspective where like your brain's telling you, "Oh, you're doing so bad." And it's actually, you need that outside perspective, that mom being like, Hey, you actually look really good. (laughs) And that's probably the actual truth, right? Like your mom is actually a little bit better at that and being like, yeah. And then, you know, having Julia there and it's like, Hey, you're not alone. Like you have other people out here, you have people who care. And, um, you know, in those moments, see that's the hard one. I think if you, when you are in Lake Placid and like you have, um, you've like driven there and you're close-ish to home. Like, that's what's kept me going sometimes in some of those, my, uh, my slower marathons. It was like, oh man, well my flight's not till Tuesday. Like what else am I going to do with my time? <laughs> you know? Um, and it's hard. It is very hard. It I mean, as, assuming you're not injured or ill, uh, a lot of the times it is, but it's, it feels really, it's really, really hard to do. It is very hard to do, especially when you, you know that you are, you know, on a normal day, you could go run 26.2 miles in, you know, more than an an hour faster and it would be like no big deal. So it's frustrating. But Alyssa, as someone who's had that happen and then has, you know, waited and rested several years. And then come back and done a slightly better Ironman marathon or a significantly better Ironman marathon. It's worth the rest and it's worth giving it another try because putting it together and having a good Ironman marathon is something that took me like, you know, it took me like 12 years, but it was, it was definitely worth it. And it's really, really fun when it does happen. So I hope you recover, give yourself plenty of time. Like I said, if you need three years, I will not judge you for taking three years. Um, but you know, I, I think you'll be out there and we'll get to see that, that marathon that you have trained for and that you have in you. And, um, it'll be a great day when it happens, but congratulations again, congratulations on that finish because it, remains so hard. I mean, it's so hard. So, and just watching it, like, you know, sometimes when you watch races and you have that FOMO, that envy and I I wasn't feeling that this weekend (laughs) I'll admit that I was I was exhausted myself and I like I I started my workout you had already started your race you know so I woke up saw the swim went out for my ride which was quite difficult went for a run, which was also quite difficult, got food. Um, and you, and you all were still going. (laughs) I was like, Oh my gosh, I just wore myself out and they've been going before and after. I mean, it's amazing how long of a day it is, but kudos to you. Congratulations. Another Ironman finish.
2: Thanks Haley. And I did have, I had, I had two things planned where I was going to insert A be like Haley moment into my, my race day to try and like inspire me for greatness. Right. So the first one I dropped the ball. So the first one I had, I bought sweet tart ropes because I also love sweet tart ropes. And I was like, I was going to put them in my bike, like my snack box. Right. And have that as like my special treat. And Haley, the morning of the race was so, so hectic. Um, and I, I don't want to harp on this and like deter people from doing like placid, but, um, because next year the construction in Lake Placid should be all done and you guys will not have to deal with shuttles. This is like a one year thing that they were trying to figure out and it's hard to iron out something like this in a, in the short time, I think that they had. Um, But there, there was a bit of a issue (laughs) um, getting, getting to the start um, and getting a shuttle. And it was a very, very hectic morning that involved me like sitting on a man's lap in the back of a van and just to like make sure I was getting myself there. So thank you to the folks that allowed myself and, the two other pros that were trying to figure out how to get to the transition um, to squeeze in there with you guys. We really appreciated that. But um, because it was so hectic, Kaylee, I got to my bike and then I totally forgot to put the Sweet Tart Ropes in my snack box. So I thought of that like later oh, in the bike and I was like, oh, the Sweet Tart Ropes are just sitting in that backpack that I gave Matt like in a, in a moment of like hurried, oh. like forgotfulness. So anyway, that was it. But the second one, I wore my um, Lime Green smash West queen socks for the run because it's like i'm gonna pull these on and i'm gonna feel like a superhero getting ready to like run a super fast marathon and i pulled them on and i even pulled it over my chip like you do Haley. so like the, the chip which is like a great tip by the way people to like have higher socks and then just put that over your chip so there's no like bouncing you don't get chafed like i have no chafing like i normally do from my the strap on my chip on my ankle um and unfortunately, the the socks don't give superpowers in like a hundred percent of the time, apparently. But uh, keep trying, folks. Get those Smash Bros. Queen lime Green socks. Keep trying to be like Haley, and maybe you guys will have better luck.
0: <laughs> I love those socks. I did admire your style because you also did the sports bra, yes. and yeah. I love running. Yeah. so wonderful is running in a sports bra? It was, was really like, good. I have no idea how everyone runs in long sleeves. I can't do it. Like, I can't. It just looks so hot to me. Even on cold races, it looks too hot. And like, there is just something freeing about running in just a sports bra. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I am not someone who grew up running in a sports bra. Like when I was in high school, I was like the only one who wore like a big cotton t-shirt while everyone else. And then like, I don't know what happened. One day I just tried it and I was like, oh my God, I've been missing out on this my whole life. Like I'm like, maybe it was like, um, you know, probably it was like a body confidence thing a little bit. And I was like, you know what? No one cares. You already look a little ridiculous running around in spandex. So you might as well feel good.
2: Totally. Totally. But, um, you know, I'll keep trying my be like Haley stuff all the way. Um, cause you never know it's going to, you never know when the luck will strike and then you'll, you'll have your superpower moments. So, um, but thank you, you. Need also- to do
0: what, another one, Yeah, <laughs> do another one, but give yourself plenty of time to recover, recover like Haley right now. I think that is something I'm actually quite good at. Like, you know, do nothing for like a week, at least <laughs> maybe two. And, um, don't respond to any text messages or emails. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm moderately good at that, but sometimes I'm terrible at it. So, but maybe those things help. I don't know.
2: Haley, one thing that did cheer me up after the race was I was told a story from Lauren. Her friends were there or one of her friends were there racing and I think their parents maybe did like the boat tour of actual Lake Placid. Um, And when you're on the boat in Lake Placid, you can see the high peaks. And apparently on the boat tour now, part of the script is to talk about the FKT. And so they like talk about me on the... I mean. At least they say that there is like an FKT set by someone last summer and, you know, three and a half days, that kind of thing. And so uh, that's kind of cool. I was like, man, I wish I did plan to have an extra day because I would totally go on the boat tour and be like, hey, <laughs> I'm here. That's me. <laughs> oh, that's so, so cool. So at least I still have that going You're for me. Of- yeah
0: local lore. You're part of it. (laughs) That's really good. Well, congratulations again and do recover hard this week. We will get you, um, off this podcast, but before we let you go, I need to hear Alyssa, like, you know, did you get the men's Olympic triathlon was happening while you were racing? You mentioned our text message conversation afterwards, which actually was me being like, Hey, are you watching swimming (laughs) Olympic swimming? Turn it on. This race is going to be really good. It was the 400 free uh, between Katie Ledecky and Ariane Titmus from Australia, fantastic race. That was actually my pick. I was in, I was asked as an expert by tri- our friend Kelly O'Mara at Triathlete Magazine um, on, you know, what race do I think people should be watching, and that was my pick. And I did. I was like, Alyssa, watch this. It's on in like two minutes, and you got it on, and you watched. But and then of course, um, Monday was the Monday in the U.S. was the women's Olympic marathon. Did you get to watch that were you home in time
2: haley i did prioritize things to get home it was actually much closer than i wanted because i got home in time and then we realized we had nothing in the house to eat for dinner and i was like panicked and so the thai place that we usually eat from is closed on monday so i had to drive to the further thai place and it created a snafu i came back literally within the nick of time which only was the nick of time because of the delayed start thank goodness so um, I was I was happy for, for that rain delay I guess. I'm not sure I would have been happy if I was an Olympian but um, I was grateful for that and I did get to watch the race and it was fun it was super super fun. Um, like Gwen Jordanson was kind of like live tweeting the race, which was fun to follow along her little commentaries and stuff like that. I think it's just always interesting to get the different perspectives from from people who have any insight to that kind of um, life and and what it's what's going on. Um, but I I was. Thrilled to see Summer Rappaport and Katie Zafiris in that like lead pack, getting out of the water together. I was like, oh, this is like this is good. Like we've got two in there. Odds are then odds are pretty good with that going for us at least, right? So, um, I did. I will say, I think the low low light of the race for me was the bike. The bike course was just a little. Even I was like, man, like. I know what's going on and i'm super invested in the sport and this is like you know we're just waiting for something to maybe happen like will it happen but you don't want anything really to happen because if it happens and it's like a crash or a wet situation slipping it's like i don't want any of that to happen but i want to like see something exciting but the the course the bike course did not really allow for like interesting race tactics i felt like
0: See, I would have criticized the swim course more only because it was like 80, it was like eight mid eighties or something, the water temperature, which I was like, oh my goodness, that's so warm, but it did look really choppy, which choppy I would have liked. Um, that bike course looked so wet, like when they would go over the carpet and then the like water was just spraying and I was like, oh my goodness, that was pretty, it did not that like, and I was very nervous about, yeah, about crashes and it looked like it kind of dried off and, um. Uh, It was, you know, that run and then Flora Duffy. Wow. On that run, she just took, took control gold medalist by quite a big margin. Flora Duffy from Bermuda. I think that was, you know, Bermuda's first gold medal, which is very exciting. And, and she is someone that, you know, we've seen have great races in recent years and then get injured. And, you know, you don't really know how people are and again, how, how people Came out of the pandemic is very different. And so that was, you know, it seemed like she was in really, really good form and really ready to go. Georgia Taylor Brown, who looked like I I haven't like confirmed that, but from Great Britain, looked like she had a flat at the end because I know the commentators were like, "Oh, we don't know why she's come off," and I'm like, "You were watching her go around these turns so slow," and I'm like, "That's not how an ITU or draft legal athlete goes around a turn." I'm like, "They like spin." That's like how I go around a turn, and I am, you know, something's wrong. Like she has a flat tire and she is just getting in there, but um, still, fantastic run for her getting that silver medal, and then. Katie of from the United States coming in with the bronze. She is someone that again, we, you know, seen ranked top in the world in previous years, but struggled a little bit in the most recent year and, um, was named to the U S Olympic team very late last, last person named. It was a slightly controversial, uh, selection discretionary pick. And she definitely showed that she is still, still with it. So congratulations to, to those women. I think, top Canadians since we are like, oh, uh, with our North American, well, Summer rapport who you mentioned, she, she finished 14th, 15th was Canadian, Amelie Kretz and Taylor Nib, the youngest U.S. Olympic triathlete, uh, 16th. So little, little like North American con- contingent there, 14, 15, 16th, but very, very exciting racing. I mean, I was, it was fun to watch. Like there is something like, I don't know, like I think you can get down on things and down on sports and think that they don't matter as much, or maybe this only happens to me. And then I watched the Olympics and I'm just like, I love it so much.
2: (laughs) No, it is good. It is good. And I'm excited that um i need to like yeah i need to sit down and outline the schedule of what's ahead because i do feel like i'm like one step behind still and like missing events i want to be watching live and things like that so i need to i need to get my act together tonight and kind of map out what i need to prioritize with my olympic watching this week because it is i think that's uh it's just what i need for my recovery week to keep that that fire burning
0: It's perfect, especially if you don't need to be up early in the morning. Cause again, that's like the hardest thing if you're on the East Coast. Is like I for me, swimming starts at 7 30 p.m. my time, 9 30 p.m. your time. But and by the time this airs, I think track will be will be moving into the track events too in the evening. So uh, you know, it just keeps going. But it's only every three or four or five years. So
2: <laughs> so we yes. have to take advantage. <laughs> True story. True story. Um, and Haley, we have um, an exciting update for from Live Feisty coming up, right? Oh, that's right. We mentioned a few weeks ago
0: about the Menopause Summit that will be happening September 24th through 26th. It's in Boulder, Colorado. Well, and that's the exciting part. Before we, we announced it, I think we were. Uh, we announced the virtual option was open, tickets were open, and now the in-person registration is open. So it is going to be happening in person and virtually. Uh, in, But if you want to go in person, it's in Boulder, Colorado, September 24th. Through 26, this is the Menopause Summit. It includes speakers like Amanda Thieb, who is the author of The Menapocalypse, which is a book about how to thrive during menopause. You have Dr. Stacey Sims, always a favorite, Casey Duke, and of course, Celine Yeager from the Hit Play Not Pause podcast. So incredible speakers that you'll get to see in person if you if you choose to do so in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. I bet Boulder, it's end of September, has to be about perfect time to be in Boulder. So um, if you are interested, you head to Feisty Menopause. Menopause.com/summit, and we'll include that link in our show notes. So the virtual summit, I think the tickets are 169 dollars, or they were, and then the in-person is 599 dollars. So, and that price does go up as it gets closer to those dates, to so those September 24th to 26 dates. But great time to meet other feisty friends and meet some of these amazing speakers in person if you want to go to
2: Boulder. And Haley, we're not going to do a mailbag today because my brain is only working at half, half capacity, but you can keep sending mailbag questions in to ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com if you want us to take a look at those and give our best answers in the coming weeks. We will definitely do that. So ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com for the mailbags. Those will be back next week. And Haley, we have a really fun interview for everyone today. We are joined by Laurel Wassner and in... 2014 Laurel made history by becoming the first cancer survivor to win an iron distance race when she raced Challenge Atlantic City. She has since finished 10 Ironmans, competed at the Ironman World Championships in Kona in 2015 and 2016. She Won the Iserman Iron Distance Triathlon in 2017. So we talked to Laurel, though, about her reaction to the Olympics, of course, because we all just watched and it's fresh on our minds. Uh, We actually talked to her about her COVID recovery and how she is now finding herself on starting lines again, including finishing eighth at the New York City Triathlon this month. Uh, she gives us some reflections on how the sport has changed since she's been racing professionally since 2008. And so basically we talk about all the things with Laurel. So stay tuned. We'll have that up next Haley. Have you ever been jealous of the elite running or cycling groups who are able to get their blood work done super quickly and efficiently because they have a doctor on staff?
0: Yes, I have been jealous. I have a great primary care physician, but I'll admit sometimes I'm curious about certain blood markers in between my annual doctor visits. Me too, and that's why I'm excited Inside Tracker is here. Inside Tracker is on demand blood testing. You pick your plan online, schedule your blood draw appointment locally, and get your results within a few days.
2: My favorite part they don't just give you data, they provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips too. For a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering our listeners 25% off of their entire store. Just go to slash ironwomen and get started.
0: Hey everyone, this is Dr. Lisa Ringerfield, co-founder of the Outspoken Women in Triathlon Summit. We are really excited to announce that the Outspoken Summit will be returning in 2021. This year has created an opportunity for triathletes to get back in the blocks and start to rebuild triathlon to create a more inclusive and welcoming space for all. Join us from the 12th to the 14th of November as we host a virtual summit to connect with like-minded women, center women's equity in the sport, hear from industry leaders, and develop leadership skills related to our roles in triathlon. The summit will provide a rich forum to develop strong voices, inspire others, and advocate for change in the sport we love. For more information and to sign up for the event, go to
2: OutspokenSummit.com. We hope to see you there. Haley, it's summertime and racing and traveling is back. Hot temps, race recovery, and mountain adventures is the recipe of my summer, and I am always carrying Noon Instant in my water bottle, hydration pack, and post-race clothes bag. Alyssa, I'm with you, and I'm using Noon
0: Instant as a way to keep reminding my taste buds that we have a little appointment on the Big Island in October that is sure to need all the replenishment of electrolytes, vitamins, and minerals that we can
2: get. You can get your own Noon Instant Noon Sport, or any of the Noon Hydration Podium Series products at NoonLife.com and use the code LiveFeisty for 30% off. That's NoonLife.com with code LiveFeisty, capital L and capital F. Hi, Laurel. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hi. Thanks for having me. So we're talking to you on Tuesday this week, which is one day after the women's Olympic triathlon race happened. So I have to kick off with that. Did you, did you watch both races? Did you watch the women's race specifically? You know, what did you think? What were your impressions of the race?
1: Uh, I've been planning my uh, week around these races. <laughs> um, I've been planning for this. We watched both races. Um, the whole thing before, after, uh, many texts changed during, text, text changed during, uh, super exciting. Um, for the men's race, I was just super excited for Kevin McDowell. He had an amazing race. Um, and, uh, just the story about his story is also something that's really inspiring. Um, and then I was just over the moon for Katie. And I just was so happy to see her. I think everybody was really happy for that. Um, but yeah, so just really great races all around.
2: And what did you think you've raced short course quite a bit. And so You know, what did you think like looking at that course? I mean, it was pretty much pretty flat, right? Um, Quite wet for the women. Uh, The swim was, you know, one big loop, one short loop with the the intermediate like dive in between the loops. You know, did you have like, not questions, but did you have thoughts on the course? Did you you wish it was a little bit more interesting? Um, I do think it
1: wasn't that interesting. It just seemed like a desolate part of Tokyo. And even in the test event, it was kind of like, wow, they're just in the middle of nowhere. And that was even before the pandemic. So um, without, with less people, it just felt like it was sort of off to the side of the city. I don't really know exactly where it was, but, um, and as far as the course, yeah, it didn't have any hills. There was, it appeared to be like one or two little rises, but um, mostly those turns were so technical. And then when the rain came, it just kind of like it, it made a really technical course just really sort of a slow bike ride. And I, it just didn't allow for a lot of like dynamics to happen in the race. So, um, but it was still
0: a great race. Laurel, you mentioned them and the men were just flying around. The... Oh yeah. Yeah. No, the men were super fast. And you mentioned the, um, Americans. Kevin McDowell finished sixth in the men's race and Katie Zafaris was third in the women's race. But, and you mentioned Kevin's story and there is a little bit of a like symmetry with your own story, right? Because Kevin is a Hodgkin's lymphoma survivor is, and you are as well. Is there, I mean, any camaraderie between the two of you? Do you know each other or is it just like kind of a shared experience? You have a lot of admiration for him.
1: Um, We don't, well, it's funny because I guess it was 10 years ago. I didn't realize how long it had been. Um, His coach at the time reached out to me and he had just been diagnosed with Hodgkin's and he, I think like the week before or something. And he was just an up and coming um, junior triathlete. I think he was probably 20 maybe at the time, uh, maybe 18, 18 or 20. I need to fact check that, but he was young and he, uh, we had a mutual friend in common and um, he said, would you mind talking to this kid? He just, um, got diagnosed and he's, you know, needs somebody to talk to. And so we chatted on the phone and I remember that conversation, just like saying, you know, don't give up. You've got a lot of future ahead of you. Um, you know, and, and ever since then I've followed his career and been a cheerleader. I don't know him personally now, but, um, I've been just a fan of his throughout. So it was just, a big surprise to see him up at the front um i knew he was getting better and better uh, but i think that he shocked a lot of people with his performance
2: and i know you'll have to like excuse my ignorance on this and i'll blame it on the fact that i'm coming off of iron man like placid and like in a bit of a, a fog still with that but um i think we have the mixed relay right on coming up on friday i'm hoping either you or haley will know this information and i has the us do we have our team for the mixed relay yet because i think i saw it hadn't been picked yet, but now we're thinking, like, Katie will be on it, and I don't know, is Kevin on it? Like, do you guys know the answer for me? I believe that both men, or obviously the only two men, um,
1: will be on the team. And then I think I read this morning that Katie hadn't been named
0: yet, so I don't know if they've named the team. Yeah, I think that's right. I don't, I mean, that is a hard choice now because uh, I Katie Zephyrus, it was an amazing, amazing race for her. And she was the last American woman added to that team and did, you know, finished third bronze medal, um, Relay selections are always so hard, but I'm so excited to watch this mixed relay. So it's more to look forward to uh, in the in the coming week. Um, I guess that will that will happen after this airs. So um, we can all set our set our alarms for what is it like 4:30 on 4:30 Mountain Time, I think on Friday. I'll have to double check that.
1: <laughs> yeah, we are watching, and I I think the U.S. would be uh, foolish not to put Katie on the relay, and she's just the strongest triathlete in the U.S. and um, You know, she had her setbacks, but I never doubted her. She's just the strongest person. And uh, I'm really happy to see how she's, she's come together in the Olympics.
0: Well, we want to, uh, get back to you a little bit more. And so, uh, you've had a, you've had a busy couple weeks recently. I think that you did actually race the New York city triathlon and like, can you tell us a little bit about that race experience? This was your first race, I think, since the pandemic, is that right?
1: It is. I I guess that last year I did a virtual race in um, right in the middle of the pandemic. Ironman held these um, virtual races. And I guess I'll count that because it was full on race effort, Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't a true race. Uh, And I hadn't done anything since December of 2019 uh, when I did challenge Daytona. And so I kind of went on a late season racing binge in 2019 and I was like set to take a break anyway, during the beginning part of 2020. Um, so when the pandemic hit, I was kind of already on a little break anyway, and it was just kind of like, oh, be an extended break because, you know, things are closing down for a few me- weeks. <laughs> um, anyway, so fast forward, didn't race it all, uh, you know, hadn't raced it all until the New York City Triathlon uh, two weeks ago. Um, and I signed up for it uh, in April when they said it was going to happen, and I just didn't know. I was not feeling well at the time, but I just said, I'm going to, I'm signing up just no matter what I'm doing this race. And, uh, my sister signed up too. And we were like, let's just do this. You know, who knows if it's gonna, even going to happen. Um, and then it happened. So we just, we did, I went in, I, um, I have a long story before this, <laughs> the tell, but, um, I got the race done and I'm happy I did it. it and since then I've done two other races. Um, so I kind of, binged on any kind of race that that's open right now. I did a 5k track race last week and a 5k road race um, within seven days. <laughs> so um, I'm, I, I love to race. And uh, when they're when they come around, I sign up and do them. But, um, you know, obviously didn't have that option over the last year and a half.
2: And Laurel, I feel like we might be burying the lead a little bit for people here. So we will go back and kind of talk to you about when things started to shut down. We thought it was going to be a couple weeks because I do think that your pandemic experience has been unique <laughs> from many others um, in terms of having COVID. And I think you actually maybe had COVID twice. So um, I've just been putting together kind of pieces from your Instagram and things like that, but I definitely would love to kind of hear you take us through the last 16 months and, and how the, those challenges were for you.
1: Yeah. So the, okay. So well back up to 2019, finished my season at Challenge Daytona, had a, like a good end of the season, took the little break. Um, I started coach swim coaching. I sort of got a new job. I was like, you know, things were going, going well. And then I got a virus where I just was knocked out. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I had I couldn't smell. I couldn't taste. And this was in January, late January um, of 2020. And I just kept doing things, but I kept saying, there's something wrong with me. I don't know what it is. Every day there was a new symptom. It was like, I was allergic to chlorine because my eyes were so inflamed, but like nobody's really allergic to chlorine. Every time I Googled something, it was just a non, I I got nowhere. Um, So turns out I had COVID before the pandemic really hit. Um, so then once March, I guess it was March 12th, um, you know, it was in this New York City where I live, and um things were starting to close down. And I was, I just remember being like, oh, I'm supposed to go to an event tonight. Do I go or not? And I was still recovering from the initial bout of didn't know what I had. But uh <laughs> so we decided I decided, okay, I'm just gonna not go to the event. Next thing I know, everything in New York City is shut down. Um, and I went upstate with my, I was babysitting my niece uh, my sister was out of town and I went upstate with my niece and just stayed for the next six months. I didn't come back to the city and uh, didn't have my bike with me. Um, so that was, it, it just became, um, like not even a factor. I didn't even think I don't have my bike with me. It was working out became like not a priority. Um, and it, it wasn't, um, I was running a little bit, but biking, it was just kind of like, oh, well, I don't have my bike. There's no way I'm going to go back to the city just to get my bike. Um, After a couple months, I did. Um, But at that initial sort of shocking, like, um, worlds coming, our world sort of just came to a a stop. Um, New York City was really bad, and it was just a lot of, um, you know, it wasn't like, uh, it was just hard to deal with for us. We were inside, we couldn't go outside at all. working outside, working out outside wasn't fun because we had to wear a mask and it was just stressful and scary. Um, so I didn't do anything um, for most of the pandemic. And then once the um, once the world opened back up again in the summer last year, got to go out and start training again and sort of got back into shape. Um, fast forward to this January, I got COVID again um, and uh, didn't think I could get I at the time it was, there were very few cases reported that where people were getting it again. Um, and I thought I had immunity. I, you know, I wasn't reckless at all. I didn't travel. Um, I hadn't, I haven't been on an airplane since I went to watch the Olympic trials in Atlanta, like the week before the pandemic hit. Um, I haven't left basically New York city. I, you know, New Jersey, New York area. Um, I was very, very careful. I, there was a huge spike in lower Manhattan um, where I live and just it ran through like everywhere. Everyone got it. Um, And still don't know exactly how I got it, but um, got it again. And when I went to get the test, I asked the doctor like, wow, am I the first person this has happened to? And they're, Oh, Nope. We're seeing this all over the place. We see this all the time. And it's just those things that aren't really reported in the news. Like they're, you know, kind of anecdotal evidence isn't really put in the news as much, and so I didn't know that I was there were others. Um, so anyway, I got it again, and uh, symptoms were pretty bad. Um, I got everything that you hear hear about um, the you know the taste and the smell. Like you can deal with that; it's fine. But it also kind of affects your nutrition. So I didn't really want to eat um, when you don't really want to eat you just feel bad and, or, or drink, you know, like a, it just, you you just, it just trickles down. You start, start feeling bad all around. Um, and then you start eating really bad things because you think maybe this is really salty. The only thing that tasted good was, was salty stuff. So I could barely taste salt. So it was like, okay, if I eat like Chinese, that's this like worst Chinese food, like you know, tr- nutritional value, um, Chinese food, I will maybe taste it. So I'll get that. Um, uh, so that was that lasted a while. Um, it's about two to three weeks of sort of not being able to taste. But the worst part was um, I developed asthma from it, so pretty severe asthma. Um, and I ended up at urgent care, not being able to breathe in February of this year, uh, late February. So that was scary. Um, I I just waited a few days of like, well, maybe I'll be able to breathe tomorrow, and I was like, I'm still not. I'm still wheezing like heavily. Um, So they, the doctors, the system, everybody in New York is very on on top of this. It was like, okay, you don't need to go to the emergency room. So you're not going to die right now, but we have to address why you're wheezing and get to the bottom of it. So ended up um, that I just developed severe asthma, which I've never had in my life before. So um, yeah, I had to go on medication for that. And It's starting to work, so it's definitely getting better.
0: Laurel, how did you approach your return to training after, especially after that second bout when races are starting to happen again? Like, how did you approach that both physically and mentally? Because we know, like like you said, you have been on starting lines recently, but were you watching, you know, data, power numbers, heart rate, or in like trying to keep it in a certain range, or were you just like going off of perceived exertion and just trying to really ramp things up very slowly? Um, so since I've been through it twice, I, the first time around, um,
1: I didn't know what to expect at all because I didn't even know I had it. Um, but by the time, you know, a year, by the end of 2020, after my first bout, I could, I had kind of gotten back into shape. Like I ran a fast half marathon. My sister and I, like we were trying to break three hours in the marathon in our training. That was our goal. So we're like we were about to do it before we got COVID. So we were we were in good shape. She got it as well. Um, we were in good shape after the first round. So I was so the second time when it happened, um, I knew that if I had, I knew I needed like six months to get it under control. Um, but what happened for the second round is I was definitely more in tune with my um, heart rate, and there was a lot more there's very little on the internet and anywhere about athletes with COVID. So there's a lot of like basketball players, but there wasn't a lot of, um, not a lot, but there were, you know, some stories about other, other sports, but not a lot of endurance athletes Um, on a podcast. I don't remember which podcast it was there. um, Zola Budd was actually um, on a podcast and she was talking about how she had COVID and what she, she started talking about her heart rate. And I listened to that before I got it. And then when, Um, I got it the second time I noticed that my heart rate was very elevated for like perceived effort of one to two, like barely going. And my heart rate would be like 170, 180, like a run of just jogging, like very shuffling jogging, um, and a really high heart rate. And so that scared me. And I just said, okay, I'm going to back off until like, I'm not even going to run. So I didn't run for like two or three months at all. Um, because running was what was getting my heart rate really high. And I feel like in biking and swimming, you don't really, you can manage it more and you don't really get a high heart rate. Um, so that was a bit scary and I just decided I don't want to mess with this because we don't have any, we don't know. We don't know if like what's going to happen, you know, hopefully things will get better, but, um, I didn't want to do any damage and it wasn't worth it to me. So that's why I just. Um, didn't seek out any races. I just said, I just need to get this under control. And, um, you know, it's hard to, to not race and, and, um, you know, see other races happening. But at the same time, it was like, my health is important. And so many more, there's so many other things going on that, like, you know, around people dying and, um, you know, jobs lost and everything, that it was hard to sort of feel sorry for myself uh, without with about racing. So that wasn't, that didn't really impact me that much.
2: And Laurel, I want to kind of shift to the next topic, but thank you for kind of sharing your experiences and, um, you know, talking about that with our, our listeners. I think that just like, you know, hearing podcast where people share their experiences. Having an elite athlete share your, you know, your own experiences is, is super helpful and, and important to do. So thank you for that. And but I do want to talk to you about something that's pretty fun, I think. So you have been working as the triathlon head coach on Team Wilpers. And Matt Wilpers is a name that I became familiar with, not through the triathlon space necessarily, but through the Peloton world. Um, i like my friends who do Peloton often cite his classes as their favorites. And, you know, I've listened to a podcast with Matt and he's just a really dynamic personality. Um, so I'm just so curious because about how this relationship evolved. Had you always known Matt? Can you tell us about the team and your role within that?
1: Yes. Yeah, so I'm a coach with um, Team Wilpers. So Matt Wilpers is a Peloton instructor. He has a private coaching business um, and my sister and I both coach with him. We got to know Matt um, actually um, through swimming because he's, he lives in the city as well. And one of our friends, a mutual friend, um, triathlete said, Hey, do you mind if my friend Matt comes swimming with you? You know, we were, um, before the pandemic, we were having like Friday swims where the, um, you could come to our pool and pay a drop-in fee and everyone, we had kind of, I organized a little swim group. And so he came and then he started coming like on Fridays and we just started getting to know each other. And then he asked if we wanted to coach. And at first I was like, I don't know if I want to do that right now. And it's really, everything seemed very you know, busy. <laughs> I felt busy. Um, and so he kind of recruited us to do it. And I'm so glad that we did. Um, he's great to work with. He's just so smart and so um, just like, like he is on Peloton. He's energetic, he's informative. Um, he gets working out, he gets training. Um, And we were definitely on the same page as far as that um, goes.
0: Laurel, I think I've seen you. Yeah, that's how we met. Yeah, I think I've seen you credited on some of his Instagram posts. I'm I'm just curious, like, do you help him with his social media? Because you you are a prolific photographer.
1: Yes. So, um, yes, I'm a a freelance photographer outside of being a professional triathlete. So um, I do Matt's photos for his Instagram. Not all of them, but I do a lot of shoots with Matt. Um, so we try to plan, you know, once a month to get together and get some good shots. So he came up here last week, last Monday, and we went for a bike ride and a swim and got, um, so up here is upstate New York. Um, so it's about an hour hour and a half from the city and, um, we did a little shoot together and that was really fun. What? So, yeah, that's been a good
0: uh, side job, yeah. what goes into, I mean, this is like the closest we've gotten to a like true celebrity social media presence. And I'm just curious, like what goes into a photo shoot, this kind of photo shoot. I mean, are you like directing things? Are you taking like ten thousand photos and you get one good one? <laughs> um, I am not an overshooter, so i
1: I uh, so my background before triathlon um, is in photography. I I was a magazine photo editor for about 10 years and um, then did some freelance photography and, you know, have been doing it back and forth. I definitely took several years off when I was uh, started triathlon, but got back into it actually over the pandemic because there wasn't right before it hit, I was my sort of starting my business and I had a bunch of shoots lined up and they all got canceled. And then it was like, okay, let me just dive deep into this when I don't have any, you know, learn about the new kind of cameras that are out and everything. So um. As far as a shoot with Matt, so that's my background. So, um, as far as a shoot with Matt, what we usually do is, you know, he says, you know, I want to focus on running or some or running, or I have a bunch of running classes and I want to talk about. Like he has some talking points from for his social media that he wants to, or his classes that he wants to sort of illustrate, Um, and I put up together a shot list, which is like all the different things we're going to do. I make a call sheet where we're going to meet, what time. you know who's going to be there what uh what clothes he needs to wear what how many different outfits um whether we're shooting for like a brand if he has a sponsor or like a sponsored post or something like that um and then i go into pinterest and i like i send him a bunch of examples of um different uh like poses and examples from other shoots that i like that we can kind of just for ideas um, it's always good to do that with somebody when you're shooting them if they're not a model because then they stand in front of the camera and it's just like, well, do something. (laughs) Um, And if you say, here, pose like this, uh, this person in this runner's world at or whatever, or this runner's world spread, um, then they can kind of emulate that. So that's how we, that's how we formulate it. And then once we get, once um, he comes to the shoot, you know, sometimes you don't follow those things exactly, but um, it's good to have a plan and then, yeah, just take a bunch of pictures and. I edit them down and then I say which ones do you like yourself in because you know I what I think is like artsy and cool isn't what some other person might think they look good in so um, then he does a pass and then that's it, and then we pick up all the selects and I send them to him in a file and he gets to post whatever he wants,
0: so it's yeah it's good. Oh, do you do this for your own social media too? I I know you have you have a, a following on your own, but it seems like it's a little bit different theme.
1: Um, yeah. So it's funny with social media because when you're not racing and doing and traveling and um, you know, going all over the world and doing stuff, it suddenly feels like it felt. It, honestly, in the last couple months, it's been like, well, I don't really have an interesting life right now. I'm just. Do people want to know that I? can't run because my heart rate is like a million, like it's 200 when I go over a seven minute pace. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, so it's, yeah, I mean, I love telling, I I'm sort of a journalist by, you know, in, at heart. So I've, you know, been working for magazines and I just know that like, I, I love to share stories. And so it's not necessarily about myself all the time. Um, but I like to post about, um, you know, just things that are happening and, um, and not necessarily about me. Um, lately, I'm, I'm just like, well, here's the bike ride picture. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know if that's interesting or not. But um,
2: yeah, so I do inherently like to to do social media and tell stories. Based on the feedback we get, Laurel, I think people find anything that we're doing interesting. So feel free to be posting about <laughs> all of that.
1: Um, and I do have... I know, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't, uh, you know, I don't hide anything uh, as far as like what I'm... You know, it is what it is on social media. Like there's nothing to hide. I don't sugarcoat anything. Um, and, you know, it's I think that's that's just as uh,
2: important as putting up a highlight reel. For sure. For sure. Um, And I I have to ask because Haley and I aren't Peloton users unless Haley's been holding out on me and not telling me that she has one over in Bozeman. But um, I know we have listeners, I coach athletes who who use it. Um, Do you have any tips for people who want to integrate a Peloton into their triathlon training? I imagine, you know, Matt probably brings in a lot of folks that found him through his classes that maybe get a little interested in triathlon. So how do you strike a balance with those workouts, getting people outside riding, Um, you know, how do you integrate that? Um, it's, that's
1: a really good question because, um, so many people, um, got the Peloton bike and want to do a triathlon, um, after they sort of get into it. And it's a great tool because it makes, it's just like a trainer. Um, and a lot of people don't have like triathletes have trainers. Like we all have the trainer and you know, how great, how great of a tool it is and how strong you get from riding on the trainer. Um, and this is sort of bringing that concept to the masses so people are getting very, very strong from Peloton, and especially when they do Matt's classes, because they have, um, like, it, for people that aren't familiar with Peloton, he does more of a power zone structured classes where you're, you do an FTP test, you know what your zones are, every class has purpose. Um, you're, you can tell how you did, you can, there's metrics. You can like measure how you've done some of the other classes you just kind of do for fun. And those are great too, because those are entertaining and, um, you know, each instructor has their sort of thing. Um, and you know, there's, you can do anything you want, but for Matt's classes, there's a real, um, there's a structure and people can get very fit from that. And it's funny because before I knew Matt, I, my sister's building has one, uh, has a bike. And, um, I was doing those workout, his workouts, uh, before I did Eagle man, like 2019, and I hadn't had a chance to ride outside and it was just, you know, New York city is terrible from the wet winter and I just did his workouts and I got a great bike split when I got to Eagle man. <laughs> so I knew that it worked. Um, and so obviously when people just do Peloton, they don't have, they're not in their on their real bike and they're not in the arrow position. so. Um, with people I coach and with uh people that are interested in kind of blending the two, um, what I say is just like do your hard work on the Peloton and then go outside for your long run, your long rides, get used to your bike, you know, get used to the handling, get used to the arrow position, and um, you know, save the really hard stuff for the indoor rides and just go outside and you know, it's safer to sort of do your intervals inside anyway. Um, and a lot of people that are new to try new to cycling outside, I don't really think it's great to go and hammer lots of miles outside when you're new to this. Um, so, but using it as a tool to sort of get really strong is, um, definitely something people can do when they, if they just have a Peloton bike and are training for
0: triathlons. I love anything that is going to bring more people into the sport. So that is great to hear about the interest. And I don't have a Peloton, but I do, I do appreciate the indoor recycling. Um, and especially during the winter, like you mentioned. I believe you also recently added another kind of new bike that I also don't have yet um to your stable, your personal stable is a gravel bike. So is this was this a pandemic purchase? And did that help you? at all while, while you're coming back, you know, during, you know, after being ill, kind of being able to just get out and do something totally different with different numbers and everything?
1: Yes. And that is pretty much the reason I got the bike. I just wanted something fun. I was not finding like going out on my time trial bike fun. It was just kind of my sister where I stay and I do most of my training, um, in the summer, there's a big dirt road that you have to go down and up every single ride. And it was just like, wouldn't it be great if I could just fly down this dirt road? My time travel bike is rattling all over the place, feeling like I'm ruining like my fancy wheels every time I go down it. And, um, so I, I had this thought for, I've had the thought for a really long time, but then of course I had no idea how, what gravel bikes what to get, or I started asking around, um, cause I didn't have any idea. And then I saw that there was one in my size my um, cervello And I just said, you know what, I, oh, I deserve this. <laughs> so I got um, a cervello, a Sparrow, and I was fortunate to find one that was small enough for me and that fits. And um, I love it. It's just so much fun. And it's definitely um, giving me more options. I, where I train, there's just miles and miles of gravel, of non-technical gravel roads that are hilly and flat and everything in between. And it's just um, a really great It's been so much fun to to ride it and I maybe someday do a race, but right now I just love riding it.
2: That was definitely Yeah And my sister
1: Yeah, so my sister has a she's been riding a um a really old hardtail mountain bike that she's had forever and um, so she, I go ahead and she drafts off me so we can stay together.
2: That was going to be my next question is like, have you thought about getting into mountain biking? Because I believe where you are, there's also some really great like mountain biking to be had in upstate New York. Um, I'm not a mountain
1: biker. I've
2: not good. <laughs> Leave it <at> that. Okay. <laughs> um,
1: I've tried and I've just not like trail running and mountain biking are not my thing.
2: That's so funny because yeah. I, I got a gravel bike and I quickly, once I, Got on a mountain bike. Was like, oh, this is like I much more prefer this to the gravel riding. Actually,
1: oh yeah, I'm not like you, Alyssa. You are. <laughs> I look at your. I'm just like, how does she do that trail running? I can't. Even, I look. I, I just can't even do it. I, we went to um a really fun. There's a track Smith running is uh, has like a little sponsored to some events near us, and we went to. They held a trail run up this mountain and down. It was just a fun event everybody else was flying up and down i am okay with the up but like the down it just i had to i was last I was like i'm this Iron Man person and i'm last in this you know going down trail <laughs> you would have loved it but um yeah so um, not not a good rocky person but um the gravel bike is really fun and we don't have any there's some great roads here that are not they're just you can just fly and go forever there's hundreds of miles of trails
2: Okay, next I wanted to kind of talk to you, this is like a little bit more of a philosophical question, but I'd consider you one of the OG, um, you know, professional female triathletes. And so I'm curious your perspective here that, you know, through the years we've seen so much change, um, you know, so many fights for equality for women in triathlon, um, especially with Eagle Spots Dakota. Now we're seeing so many women on the start line and finish podiums with babies in their arms, right? Um you've been through the time with us when we kind of lost short course racing for a while. Now it seems to be maybe coming back, right? So all of these changes are happening in pro women's sports every season. With no and triathlon's no different and you've seen a lot of these evolutions. So do you have any thoughts on just these changes in general um, over the last decade or so? Do you have any thoughts on kind of the how the racing and sponsorship has changed from the perspective of a, of a woman racing?
1: Yeah, it's changed a lot. So I started racing in 2008 um, and I was able to quit my job and race and make enough money to probably make a little bit more than I had as in a magazine job. Um, that, you know, that's not the case anymore. And that's not to say that, um, it's just because the racing, like you said, the racing, the short course, non-drafting races have sort of disappeared. And when I go back and look at all of my favorite races and the races that were big paydays for me, they don't even exist anymore. So like the Columbia triathlon, wildflower, um, you know, New York was gone for two years. That was, and now it doesn't really have a big purse. Um, you know, there's, the list goes on and on with the disappearing races. Um, the Lifetime Series, the Lifetime Triathlon, Dallas, all of these races that we did year after year um, against, like, the best in the world don't even exist anymore. And that's been the case for, you know, the last four years or so. So that was, um, you know, that's just how the sport's gone and like, just kind of roll with it. And if those races aren't happening, then it was like, okay, well, what is happening? And then I decided I'd do an Ironman and, um, got into that and they, it just, it doesn't pay as much. So it, it was, you know, harder to make, um, a paycheck because you go to a race and if you get sixth place, then you're hardly making anything. Whereas the other races, sixth place was like a good finish because you're racing against like all the olympians and um you know you still they've had better prize purses so you know it's changed a lot um but i i also feel like i just kind of changed with it so um although i haven't done you know i'm looking forward to doing some more ironman races who knows when but um i feel like i would still jump into the short ones if they come around so i just like i um I'm doing a, a triathlon here in New York called the SOS Triathlon. So I'm just gonna do something completely different. Doesn't even have, it has a, you know, it's gonna have a good field, but doesn't have any prize money. And that's okay. Cause I feel like I just wanna do something different.
2: That's gonna um, have some gnarly trail running,
1: right? It's all on the, I oh, okay. don't worry. <laughs> it's a very hard run, but it's all on gravel roads, no rocks. I mean, there'll probably be some, I'll probably man- manage to, trip or something, but um, no, the, it's very good running. It's not, uh, it's not rocky. Yeah. But it's 18 miles of running. So it is long, um, but it's broken up. So yeah, so it's definitely different. I'm, and as far as like equality goes, I feel like we just haven't gotten anywhere with that. Um, I have done Kona twice and both times I was number 42 out of 42 um, people that qualified happens to be my favorite number so I'm very fine with that getting those caps that cap um and but I just you know I was 42nd but I don't think I was 42nd I ended up 20 something in the both times I raced or 20th or something I don't remember but um that just reflects like the ranking of how I had to sort of like go all over the place to get the points and um you know Racing way more than the the men who were 55th or something that were going to race that that qualified. So that was that hasn't gotten anywhere, and that's kind of disappointing. I wish, um, you know, I I know it's a different system now, so I think it's a little bit more fair as far as qual not having to chase those points and wasting, you know, I wouldn't say wasting money. everything's an experience, but um, but having to spend a lot of money to try to go, um. And so I think that part is better. Uh, maybe that's involved evolved a little bit, but I, you know, not having equal slots is still a bummer.
0: Laurel, you have raced all over. You've been all over the world. You've raced in Israel. You've raced in Kona. You've raced um, in Asia. I mean, you raced. I've I've raced with you in Brazil. Um, I am curious when you look at your career since it has been so long and it has been so you know you varied. You've raced all different distances. What do you have left that you like really want to accomplish? Is there anything that is just like totally on your list like I need I would really like this to happen?
1: Um I'd love to, I I want to do a I want to have a good run in an Ironman <laughs> and that's something I just feel like I've never done. Um so that's kind of what makes me want to go back to it. Um, and yeah, that's I don't know. I just want to keep racing. I just I love doing it. I I'll do any distance um like you said, like I did in 2019, I did a the super league and that was so fun. Um, and I think they're going to be coming back to the U S possibly maybe with not the high, I, I did it. In, I, I wasn't in the, the like high level when they hadn't in like a qualifier. So I did that, but that was, it was so much fun. So like I'm open to doing anything. Um, and people always sort of, they're like, oh, are you going to retire? And like, i like, I feel like, I'm going to keep racing and you know, I love it. I love doing it. And, um, it's kind of a lifestyle thing. Like it, it doesn't, uh, I think some people get, I don't put a lot of pressure on myself. Um, so it's actually really fun for me. And it's funny because before the New York city triathlon this year, I, I hadn't raced in so long and I was so out of just race mode and everything. I just felt like, what am I doing? Like, why am I doing this? And as soon as I got into the race, everything came back. So I was like, okay, I still have it. I still have what it takes to do this, even though I'm not performing at like anywhere near, you know, my best or, you know, maybe my worst, (laughs) um, more closer to my worst. Uh, but I just felt like I still have, I still have some, I just want to do this. And I think that's what it takes. Like, you know, maybe my, you know, I think that's what it takes for people to keep going. And I, I felt like I still have it. so whatever it may be. I don't feel like there's one thing except for maybe running faster marathon that I feel like I have to do. Um, but yeah, I just want to continue, uh, enjoying it.
2: Well, I didn't have COVID twice and I can definitely still (laughs) relate to that feeling of like just getting to a race and being like, Oh, what is this? Like, you know, am I ready to do this? Like, are, you know, are we ready to get back to this? And it is though the gun goes off and and it feels like it's like riding a bike for lack of a better comparison, I guess, right? Like you, you do remember and your mind goes to the right place and you're like, okay, this is, this is good still. Okay, Laurel, we're going to let you go in just a second here. But before we do, I wanted to get back to photography. And one quick question, maybe for a friend, maybe for me. But I'm sure with your photography background and your expertise in this area, you probably often looked at other people's Instagrams and cringe, right? So if you could give the world two or three tips for taking better photos, what they're posting on Instagram, what would they be? I know, I think any anything, any creative creativity is a
1: good thing. So I don't cringe. Um, you know, what? I do cringe sometimes when I see really thirsty pictures, and um, so that's the what I, <laughs> you know, what I mean.
0: Um, Wait, really thirsty? Like,
1: like, like, like thirst traps. trap? Wait,
0: is that thirst <laughs> trap? Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, <sighs> you're not going to catch me,
1: um, you know, advocating the thirst trap. Um, I think there's so many better ways to uh, tell stories without having to do that. Um, but, um, yeah, so with photography, it's all about getting good light. Um, you want to make sure that um, you your light is good. And by that? I mean that it you know provides a little a little extra edge into your photograph. So if you're um, you know even if you're in a dark room, maybe there's some a light coming through. Um, so you always want to use light to enhance your photos and Right, that right there is going to give you a better quality picture, um, and, as, and then you want to think about your composition. Um, you want to you want to think about what you want to show in the picture. So if it's um, you know a place, then it's a more of a landscape, and you try to think about what um, what's important. What's the most important thing? Um, people always you know sometimes I remember the first thing I learned. Um, when I uh, was learning about photography was you don't always have to put your subject in the middle. So, you know, playing around with the composition is um, will make your photograph a little bit more interesting. Um, and then, yeah, you just want to see, just show what you're, you want to show, tell a story. So that's always makes the most interesting um, pictures. And uh, yeah. So as far as technical stuff, using a good camera is always, you always like, I always take my best camera with me wherever I go. I love the, this heavy camera before like the cameras became a little lighter all the way, all the way to Asia. And everyone's like, why do you have that big camera? It's like, I just, you know, this iPhone pictures are great, but I just always take my best camera with me. So that's, that's another tip. Um, but yeah, so just, yeah, it's, it's about like, also with Instagram, the format is so small that, um, a lot of times you don't really need a lot of stuff in your photo. So the cleaner the picture, the more sort of, um, graphic it will be and it will sort of stand out from the rest of the pictures on online
0: i love these tips and i'm so thankful that um i you know i don't need to be go taking a bunch of thirst trap heavily sexualized pictures since uh not my forte <laughs> am, even when i try so laurel thank you so much for for joining us today for giving us so many tips for telling us about your covid recovery we will be cheering you on at the sos triathlon here in a couple weeks and um, as we cheer on team USA in the mixed relay tomorrow, but thank you again for, uh, for, for coming on the show.
1: Thank you. And thank you guys for providing hours and hours of entertainment for all of us triathletes, riding, trainers and running, listening to you guys.
2: <laughs> the iron women podcast is grateful to Zelio skincare for their continued support of the podcast. I'm always excited when I start pulling out the Zelio Sun Barrier more and more because that's a sure sign races are around the corner.
0: And I'm going to be happier than ever using my Zelio's Race Relief Cold Therapy Muscle Gel because it means I actually got to do an in-person race this year. You can get your own Zelio Sun Barrier Race Relief shower products and chamois cream for 15% off with the code IRONWOMEN at TeamZelios.com.
2: The Iron Women Podcast wants to give a huge shout out to Orca Sportswear for their continued support in 2021. As someone who isn't a natural born swimmer, my choices for swim gear are super important. Orca has me ready to battle for every second I need in the water with the open water, triathlon, and swim run wetsuits. They also have safety buoys, goggles, cold water caps, and booties. You name it, they have it. The code IRONWOMEN15 will get you 15% off, so head to orca.com today and let's get ready to swim in 2021. Kaylee, if we had recorded this interview a month ago, I would have had like a, a complete Alyssa moment. And in this last section of the interview here where we talked about thirst traps, because that is a a new thing that I've recently learned about and like a verbiage, I guess. Um, so do do we think, should we explain to the listeners what that is? Should we give like an official definition? Yeah, I think you should explain. How did you learn? Did you
0: take a thirst trap photo and then someone accused you of being a thirst trap? No,
2: I think I saw it on Twitter. I think I saw that like terminology on Twitter, and I was like, like everything. Like, what's that word that people are using to describe millennials now? Like, boo- its not like bougie. It's like bougie. It's like that that word. Do you do you know what I'm talking about? Bougie. No, <laughs> I'll have to come back for the again. My brain, you guys. I have Iron brain, but all uh, that word I actually learned from Matt's younger sister, who's like keeping me with the time sometimes. So, um, but I'll come back to you guys with that. But anyway, thirst trap, I think I saw on Twitter and I was like, what is this? Am I doing that? Need to Google it. So um, look it up. And I guess, uh, you know, the official um, Wikipedia definition is a type of social media post intended to entice viewers sexually. So there you go, people. Um, Now, Now your brain says, don't do it. And and you know, yeah, don't do it. (laughs) Don't do it, please. Um, But it is, it happens out there.
0: (laughs) Yeah. While we're on our, or do it. I mean, if you're, if you're really into it, do it, but you just don't need to pressure anyone else to do it. Um, I think Alyssa, uh, I was going to say there was another terminology that we've used a couple of times and this one I think is funny, but you've said it a few times. I think you said it today. O G. So when you say OG, oh, what do you mean?
2: Like original gangster, like from the beginning, you know, like icon legend status.
0: Yeah, so, okay, I've heard it as original gangster. I've heard it as old guard. And then oh. I recently was watching the Olympics and I think Simone Biles was using it. She said um, original grandmas. For She was describing her and I think Michaela Skinner. <laughs>
2: No, I, don't so, I guess that it one. works for so all of us. Put that one back. Yeah.
0: <laughs> He's like twenty-four. But um, oh, yeah, no. I was funny. like, oh, there's another one. Now I'm gonna start now every time when you said it, I was thinking orig- original grandma. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh man. Kids these days just keeping us young with all of their things. <laughs> grandma
0: Grandmas are fierce. I mean, there are a lot of fierce it's grandmas true. out there. I feel That's like that true. could be yeah. that can definitely go into it. But yes, love the Urban Dictionary, like little uh, keeping us hip. Um, when you think of that other millennial word, like let us know. And um, thank you to all of our listeners. Thank you to Laurel for sharing so much insight into social media, into uh, COVID recovery, and just we will be cheering for her in you know in her recovery over the next couple months.
2: Yes, and Haley. Thanks so much for your support. Um, No matter how I do in Ironman racing, I always feel better after talking to you and reflecting a little bit on that. So thank you for that this week. And to our listeners, um, thank you all for listening and for all your support. To those who are in Lake Placid, really appreciate everyone who yelled, I love the podcast. That keeps me going mile after mile when I don't really want to keep going. So I do appreciate that. And yeah, it's good. It's good stuff.
0: Also, I hope now that you can enjoy your Sweet Tart Ropes this week. Since you didn't quite get them on the bike, you can like use it as a little post-race recovery treat.
2: They kept me awake on my drive home so yesterday, so that was perfect. Perfect.
0: <laughs> perfect. Well, Alyssa, enjoy some Olympic recovery viewing and recover well, and I'll talk to you next week.
2: Bye, Haley. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Live Feisty Media and is edited by Lindsay Glassford. Thank you to our sponsors, Noon Hydration,
0: Prevenix, Zelio Skincare, Form Swim Goggles, and Orca Sportswear. You can find all websites and discount codes in our show notes at ironwomenpodcast.com.